Welcome to the Axe Church Leander podcast. Join us in person or online on Facebook at 9.30 a.m. Today's reading is Psalm 19. Uh, the heavens declared the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of the, his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other, and nothing is deprived of its warmth. Uh, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, you built this world. Lord, and as we reflect on what that means for our own lives, as we reflect on what that means uh, as we go, uh, as we leave this building, as we walk with our families, Lord, I pray that you speak. I pray that you shape. I pray that you draw us closer to you. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Guys, it is good to be with you today. Starting a new sermon series. And, and the sermon series came from a retreat that the staff did. We were looking at this big one-year goal we have that we had kicked off pretty well as far as every household at Axe having one new, and what we said was, spiritual rhythm by the end of the year. But something happens sometimes with pastors. We can be a little bit too tricky for our own good with our verbiage, and we're like, oh, this is, this is the perfect way. And I can't tell you how many people ask me, Josh, what is a spiritual rhythm? Like, what are we talking about here? We're like, wow, this, is, this was not the right verbiage. So we've changed it a little bit. But essentially what we're asking is every household to have one new gospel habit, one new spiritual habit by the end of the year. And so we, we were talking through that and we were looking, okay, how do we encourage that? What does that look like? And we started making a list of different gospel habits, different spiritual habits that had been effective for staff. And at one point I had said prayer walking. And Brenda, who tends to be pretty quiet, uh, looked and said, don't say prayer walking. And I'm like, what? And Brenda, that's not her, like, general posture to just be like, don't, don't do this. And I'm like, you don't like the prayer walk? That seems like a bad Christian thing. And she's like, no, 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 not Josh, stop. She goes, it's not prayer walking. It's as you walk, pray. And it just hit me in the side, and I'm like, oh, you're right. It's not prayer walking your neighborhood. It's as you walk around your neighborhood, pray for your neighborhood. And that opened up a different way of thinking about these gospel habits, about these spiritual habits. That so often we think about it, we think we got to add this brand new thing into our lives. As opposed to saying, no, as you're doing what you're already doing, as you're driving down the road, as you're getting ready for bed, as you're about to go on vacation, as you go, pray. As you go, say thanks to God. As you go, have community and fellowship with God and the people that he brought into your life. And it just clicked for me. And I was like, oh, oh, this, this is making a lot more sense. And so we're like, okay, we're going to do an as-you-go sermon series. Makes sense, right? We do lots of different sermon series. And we're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm excited about how we're going to end. But what we decided was we're going to use our values Adventure, Community, Transformation, Sending, Acts Church Leander, to talk about what as you go looks like. So it starts off with A, and, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. 
the A in adventure, when I came to interview as the pastor here, it was five years ago now, literally to the month, five years ago, Eric and I came down here to check out Axe Church Leander. And, and I did a little bit of research, and I was like, the church is awesome, Acts of Love is awesome, the people are friendly, I, I like what's going on. And I looked at the values, community, totally makes sense. Transformation, totally makes sense. Sending, serving, totally makes sense. And I rolled my eyes at adventure. I'm like, ah, whatever. Okay, it's one of those spiritual words, right? Like, or the, one of these words that just doesn't make sense to me. And so I was like, dude, I'm, I'm not going to fight this. Awesome. Adventure is one of our values. Go Team Jesus. I'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> See what I did there? But, but as I spent more time with this church, and as I spent more time reflecting on Scripture, the adventure value started to make a lot more sense to me. Because we have a God of adventure. We have a God who literally starts off the story by creating the original adventure. This comes from Genesis. The Lord took man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. And the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Right? The story of creation is literally a story of God creating the world's largest playground. That's what earth was supposed to be. This beautiful, magical, awesome thing he built for us. Right? Think about moms and dads. You guys buy like play structures for your kids, right? Maybe you build them a treehouse, right? It's like at Christmas time, it's the most just unnerving experience because the screws don't work and everything's not going the way it's supposed to. But you do it for your kids because you love them. That's what God did. But on a scale of infinitely larger proportions. Genesis 1 says that God created the world and it was good. And he creates the birds and the animals and the dogs and the cats and the fishing trips and the camping trips and all those sunsets that you've ever seen that just take your breath away. God created the original adventure. And then he puts us into the garden. He puts us in the playground. He says, this is yours to take care of and to manage and to steward and to see God do something awesome with. That, that's how the story starts. That was God's initial action. Problem is, man's initial action went a different way. We decided, you know what? No, no, God, we've got our own ideas. We've got our own best thoughts here. We would rather do it ourselves. And so that one thing he said not to do, don't eat from the tree because you'll die. Well, we eat from the tree. And from that, we get this section of scripture, Genesis chapter 3. To Adam, he being God, said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree, which you must not eat from, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants from the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken. For dust you are, and dust you will return. 
right? Our, our choice to say, you know what, God, we, we understand that you built this playground. We understand that you put some rules, some guidelines, but we'd rather live by our own rules. That's what sin is. It's us telling God, you know what, I've got a better plan. I got a better plan because this person hurt me or because I deserve this or because some sinful broken piece of me still doesn't want to be in relationship fully with him or fully with you. And then literally hell enters into the story. Right? Hell, separation from God. Right? All, all the brokenness, all the hurt, all of it shows up in Genesis 3. And while we don't need to have sin to have an adventure. And that, that is a misnomer, something I kind of fall into. Right? We think about sin, and we think about adventures, and all the stories we tell, the stories I write, right? they all deal with sin. They all deal with someone doing something they're not supposed to. But that's only because it's the reality we know. You don't need sin to have an adventure. You need a challenge to have an adventure, but a challenge is different than sin. Right? Learning a new instrument is challenging. And if you do it, you grow in that. Figuring out a camping expedition or a hiking expedition is challenging. Raising dogs, raising kids, right? All of these things are challenging. The problem with sin is it just makes the adventure more painful. That, that's what sin added. And the good news is that God is trying to get us back into Genesis chapter 2. But both here today and into eternity, Revelation ends by literally God setting up a new garden where there is a tree of life. And it says, and there will be no more tears. And we get to live into eternity on that adventure with God. And that, that's a good thing. That's a holy thing. That is a privileged thing. But what we see in scripture is we don't have to wait for heaven. We don't have to wait for eternity to start that. One of my favorite verses of Jesus comes from John 10, 10, where he's talking about Satan. And he says, hey guys, the thief, he comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. All the stuff of the world, all the stuff that the devil's up to, all the stuff of Josh's best thinking without God is up to, will either steal your life, destroy your life, or kill your life. But I have come, Jesus says, that you may have life and life to the full, life abundantly, life overflowing, a life of adventure. And he doesn't say one day, right? He doesn't say one day when you die, then you get to go on this adventure with me. He uses the present tense, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. I have come that you may re-experience this adventure that God created us to have as individuals, but as families, as communities, as churches, that we get to experience this playground in a different way. And it doesn't mean that sin just disappears from our lives. No, all of us are still broken. All of us are still fighting this stuff. But it means that we have an opportunity to get back into Genesis 2 in part, knowing that when we die, we're going to get there in full. Right? Experiencing life the way that God designed it, the ultimate adventure. Then we get to our psalm reading today. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day and night they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. This is important because creations 
tell you something about their creator. The reason why we call the earth creation, all creation, literally is because it was created by someone. And, And we as Christians know in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, who created the world. Our father did. That that good, good father that we're going to sing about in just a little bit. He created all of it. And what you learn as an artist, whether you're a singer, a writer, a painter, a sculptor, is that as you look at the creation, you learn something about the creator. You learn about their values. You learn about what's important to them. You see their creativity and their wonder and excitement. And so what the Psalms tell us is that the heavens declare the glory of God, that they pour forth knowledge of who our God is, how strong he is, how miraculous he is, how bigger than he is than we are. And y'all, we need a big God because we have big problems that are way bigger than anything I can take care of. Bigger problems than anything you can take care of. And that's in your family. That's in our community. That's in our social media feeds. All of us have big, big problems. But when we look at creation, we realize we have a bigger God who is literally in control of all of it. Creation itself is an opportunity to understand our God a little bit deeper. The psalm goes on. They have no speech, talking about the heavens. They have no words. No sound comes from them. Right? So it's not like we hear the heavens literally speaking to us, and yet their voice goes out to all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Y'all, this whole world we live in, it's the playground, it's the workspace of our Father. Every step you take, whether you're walking into a school, whether you're going to work, whether you work in a school, when you're doing laundry, when you're doing landscaping, when you're on a vacation, all of it is created by him. It's his workplace. It's his playground. And there is an opportunity as we go, as we experience his world, that that we can reflect on him, that we can learn about him and that we can steward what he gave us. Because that was the whole point of Genesis chapter 2. He puts us into the world, he puts us into the creation, and he says, okay, I built this for you. Not just to enjoy, not just to consume, but to care for. And we as Americans, we're really good at consuming things, right? We are really good at consuming things. Whether it's Doritos, whether it's the Netflix streaming, when it asks you the most judgmental question ever, are you still watching, right? You're like, don't ask me that. Don't judge me, Netflix. Yes, I am still consuming you, right? We're really good at consuming. And we were built to consume, but we were also built to care for and, and to curate and to be stewards of this world that God has given us. And and so what we have is a God who says, I built this world for you. Enjoy it. Walk in it. Experience me in it as an adventure as you go. And that sounds all great. Like, okay, Josh, I get it. When we're at the Grand Canyon, I can see the glory of God. 
Sure. When we're at the water park or we're at that mountaintop experience, got it. Josh, I can see God, but you know what? I'm going to leave here and it's still going to be 100 degrees outside. I'm going to be trapped inside my AC unit. All right, and so I just got to wait until I get there because the rest of life, normal life is mundane. And yeah, there are mountaintop experiences where I've seen God, but, but what about the day in, day out mundane life? Well, even in that, we have an opportunity to see things differently. Last week, we asked a question as far as uh, some of your favorite authors or a person you could meet. And uh, Luke Hargrove uh, said C.S. Lewis, and so he stole my answer, so I had to think on my feet. And I said J.K. Chesterton, who was actually the C.S. Lewis before C.S. Lewis. And he wrote a book called Orthodoxy. It's a really cool book. But in it, he has this quote, and I want to read you the first part of this quote about how God sees the world. He says this, Because children have an abounding spirit of vitality, because they have a fierce spirit and are free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For a grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. I think most of us have experienced this with young kids. I remember the first time I remember experiencing this. I am the oldest cousin of both sides of my family. And my youngest cousin, John Michael, was three years old. And I was visiting my grandma, and John Michael was there. And he used to use me as a playground, right? So he'd be, like, climbing all up on me and stuff like that. And uh, we were in one of the bedrooms, and I'm like, do you want to fly, John Michael? He's like, yeah, I want to fly. I'm like, you sure you want to fly? He's like, yeah, I want to fly. And so I tossed him, not too violently, onto the bed, right? And he squealed in delight as he flew into the bed. He tumbled over, and he looked at me, and he goes, do it again. I'm like, okay. You know, he's like, 40 pounds, no big deal. Pick him up, toss him on the thing. He squeals in delight even greater. Looks at me, do it again. Okay. Pick him up. Throw him. 15 minutes later, do it again. (laughs) Right? My arms are about to fall off. Right? All, most of us with kids have experienced this exact moment, right? Because they experience things with the freshest eyes. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. It's us as adults who have a trouble with that. We, we get jaded. We can see something beautiful and we're like, ah, that's old news. Right? That, that's our human condition. That's our broken condition. This is what Chesterton says about God, though. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in the monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every night, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all the daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has not gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has an eternal appetite for infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. This reality that God sees creation in the present moment, that he has the eyes of infancy in the this is a beautiful thing. And even if it's our 10,000 sunset, 
or our 500th walk around the block, or the 752nd time our three-year-old says, do it again. It's an opportunity, it's a moment for something good to happen, for us to realize the God that we have, that we don't have to become a slave to monotony, but instead we can look through God's eyes of what he's doing as we go about our lives, as we go on this adventure with God. Opportunities as we go. That's what this whole month is going to be about. And each week, we're going to have a different opportunity for you and for your family. And we are going to do our best to set every family up for success in a unique and different way. And and one of the things that we are going to do today, and I am really excited about this, we have six books. I'm going to go over these in a second. Six books that were recommended from people at this congregation for individuals, for couples, or for families to experience God. Six books that were cultivated by either people at this church or close, intimate, my goddaughter is one of them, FYI, people who care and they're like, this is good for me, maybe it will be a good gospel habit for you and your family. To show you kind of what that looks like, we've got a video of the Hargroves. Hi, we're the Hargroves. Uh, in terms of spiritual rhythms, one of the things we like to do is a book called Every Moment Holy. And it helps us remember that um, every moment should be holy. And there's just a lot of different uh, prayers in this for different uh, topics. So, for example, there's a liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee, for a sick day, um, for those who feel awkward in social gatherings. But we're going on vacation, and so we're going to read one that is a liturgy for leaving on a holiday. O Christ, our Sabbath, you have fashioned us to function best in rhyming lines of work and rest. Our relaxations and recreations, like unspoken invitations, to that still greater holiday to come, when all our burdens will at last be shed, and weariness will be put to bed, and gladsome joy stretch endlessly before us. Bless now, O Lord, the happy foretaste of that with one another. So help us also, in this time of our vacation, to carve out spaces merely to be, to be with you, to be together, to be refreshed. Ah, how we long for that. You are our rest, Jesus. May this vacation serve your holy purposes. May the deep enjoyment and the grand adventure of it stir within us eternal longings, wedding our anticipation of that best holiday celebration that will one day encompass all days and all of heaven and all of earth. Amen. That's it. Right? As you go on vacation, here's something one family does. And so we have five, well not five, we have six books. They're in the back. And we're going to give them away. We've got five copies of each for those of you online as I read through this. If you want one of them, I will order them and send them to your house. But here is the trick. You will commit to saying, okay, I'm going to try one of these. I'm going to read through some actual reviews from members of our church of what these books are. All I'm asking is you try them three times, and then you let AJ or I know how it went. And guys, it's okay if they don't connect with you. Right? It's okay if you're like, this one didn't work. Erica and I, actually the last two nights, we tried a Tim Keller daily devotional. 
I like Tim Keller. Erica likes Tim Keller. We don't like that daily devotional right now. And that's okay, right? We're not bad people because of that. And so if this is something that doesn't work for you or your family at this stage of life, y'all, totally all right. The trick is to just keep trying things until you do find something that is a good groove. Right? So, like I said, we've got five different copies. I'm going to read off. Sorry, Jaron. I will try not to mess up your stuff too much. Uh, he's our singer today. He's been great. All right, so the first one we have is actually another one Erica and I have tried out. This is Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. This is uh, the lady who did the Jesus Storybook Bible. And the Van Horns, actually the ones who turned us on to it, but this is from the Van Horn family. I think I'd say that Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing is a children's devotional that isn't just for young children. The short, meaningful messages combined with the beautiful artwork speak to grown-up child at heart. It gives children of all ages a verse from the Bible and encourages them to ponder, in perhaps a new way, how glorious God is. I will say, she is right, this is not just for kids. Erica and I did this for about two months until our dog literally ate the book, uh, and that stopped that. Uh, but again, great opportunity. We've got five of them in the back. All right, second, uh, we just got through the Red Letter Challenge as adults. There is a kids one that goes through a 40-day challenge you can do with your kids, and this is what the Warner family says. The Red Letter Challenge for Kids combines fun stories, challenges, activities, and scriptures for families to dive deeper into. It's a great complement to the adult version, but can stand alone for kids, especially elementary or older. Our families do it as well, and they've got even littles. It's interesting and engaging, not watered down, and we find our kids asking for it every evening. All right, so that's from the Warner family. Next, teen to teen devotionals. This is from my goddaughter, Sienna Williams. Uh, and it's hard to get teens to talk, uh, but she said, I find it really encouraging and I like it a lot. We've got three for boys and we've got three ordered for girls. They got, they got delayed, but if you want one of these, I will deliver it to you this week. Pastor mail to your house. We would love for you to get connected that way. Uh, praying through the Bible and Andrews. I know you're online right now. Uh, this is an opportunity. It's not a daily devotion, but it's a way to pray differently and to use scripture to form your prayers. And this is what Ann Andrews says. A simple method to make prayers more focused helps me talk to Jesus about topics that I wouldn't have had done before. Describes people in history have used the method. Even Jesus prayed through a psalm. Right? So praying through the Bible, there's an opportunity. Uh, New Morning Mercies is one that the Hueys did. Uh, so we actually did a video with them. So if you guys remember Grace and Steve Huey, they are way closer to Jesus than I am. Uh, so they are a good family to model, but it's daily devotions. Uh, and they said, a great resource filled with gospel and mercy. A lot of what we both need at this stage of our lives. And last but not least, the Every Moment Holy, which we saw the video of with the uh, Hargrove family. This really is a cool resource. It's not a daily devotional, though it's got some stuff you can do in the morning or at night. But literally, all kinds of different things, whether you're doing your laundry, they've got whether you're starting to write a story. So for me, that one's pretty cool. Uh, Erica and I, uh, there was a pastoral ministry visit I was going to have to do that was going to be complicated. And I didn't really know what to do. It was way beyond my own thing, way bigger than me. And there was one that said, when you want to intercede or pray for another person. And so we actually read that before I went and did my pastor's visit. I was just like, you know what, this person's really hurting. Let's lift them up in prayer. And it actually helped form how I engaged them. Right? Six different opportunities. Six different ways. And they're not all going to work for your families. That's totally fine. 
but we've got them in the back. Check them out. The quotes are back there, and all we're asking is if you want to grab one, write your name down and commit to three times saying, hey, I, I, we're willing to give this a shot, and then report back. We'd love to hear from you and kind of see how that works. And again, for y'all online, same thing. If one of them really connects with you, put it in the comments, send me an email, and I will uh, get one Amazon to your house. Same rules, though, three times. See how it goes. All right, so that is our first as we go opportunity for the sermon series. We're going to end with prayer, uh, and then we are going to go into a time of worship and communion, but I'm going to ask you guys uh, to pray with me as we kind of wrap up today. Father, Lord, you're good. Father, you are an opportunistic God. Because every opportunity, Lord, every breath we take, there is an opportunity, a privilege, an on-ramp to relationship with you, to know you better, and to know this world better. Lord God, I pray that you continue to mold us and shape us through little moments that can draw us closer to you and who you would have us be as your children. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about our church at axchurchleander.com.